Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. So, mom passed away Friday morning about, well, no, actually Friday afternoon about 10 or quarter after 12. And uh, it was a pretty uh, rough week, as you can imagine. And, and um, you know, I know some of you have gone through that. But uh, the, thankfully, she rested pretty peacefully until the last four or five hours of life. And uh, death is not pretty, right? Uh, but I got to tell you what, neither is birth. Okay, I mean, you can, ladies, go do that somewhere else. I tell you, it's mad. It's just messy. <laughs> true or not true? Sorry. Uh, and and I'm telling you what, but what a beautiful thing comes from it. And the pain is forgotten uh, because of the joy of life. And I'm going to tell you something. What I know, what I know, is better is the day of one's death than the day of his birth. And I know my mom is absolutely free. And I know, and I just, she had a faith in God. God spoke to her. Thank God she raised six of us. She would have been crazy if, if he didn't. And, uh, but he spoke to her very specifically about my life that put her at peace. And, and anyway, uh, I, I miss my mom, you know, and, uh, and I will till the day I'm reunited with her. But, but uh, it was her time. So, say, Pastor, I have a thousand things to do. I got to leave early today. I got to, we're going to go build a casket. And we're doing yada yada. My family's coming in from Arizona uh, places. And so, my mind's a different, million different places. And somebody said, well, why don't you take the day? And the reason I didn't take the day is because I needed to see you. To be honest, I did. I just, I mean, the, uh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> But I, but I needed to see you and uh, just tell you I'm okay, and, uh, but I'm, I'm going to grieve and, and do all that to you, but I love you, and I, I felt your prayers, and, uh, and I'm grateful. I did not, not, I did not, not choose not to preach today. This was set in motion almost a month ago, so by the grace of God, and uh, otherwise I would stay up here and plow through it. But uh, anyway, I, I just want you to know I love you and your prayers and all that you did. <laughs> See, you won't even have to come to the funeral. You'll get this out of the way. Uh, all that you did for my mom, Darlene and, and uh, uh, Ned, you, she'd love to hear you sing. So, whew, I said all that. I'm going to read one poem, and I'm going to show you, <laughs> I'll show you a picture later, but it, uh, Jeannie snapped a picture of me holding my mom's hand as she was uh, in the last days, and she sent it to Emily. So Emily said, Emily said Dad, I love this picture. She said, as soon as I saw the picture, uh, she said, this poem just popped into my mind. And so this is Emily wrote to you. She said, it would be beautiful to grow old with its heartaches and its creeping weakness, a gift 
to see my sons with silvered hair, to have them hold my hand while my body sleeps and my soul standing on the brink of eternity. And uh, it just summed up our last week to be able to be with my mom and my brothers there uh, uh, and my sister and uh, just, just to share that moment. Don't shy away from that. You know, I mean, as, as hurtful as it is, it's, it, there's a healing to it, too. So uh, I said all that when I'm done being emotional, okay? I just want you to know. Uh, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the prayers, uh, uh, the text, all of that. And, uh, and uh, that's it. There's joy. There's joy and grief at the same time. And those of you that have gone through this, you know what it is. And uh, so what we'll do is we experience it so that when others around us experience it, we can come alongside and say, I know. You know, I know what you're feeling. So, all right. Can we be done with that? Huh? No? Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. It's just the petty's way of dealing with grief, okay? It's in me. No. So, thankfully, and Paul, I'm sorry, I should have done more to set you up here, but you're going to have to pull this up. Uh, but Paul's got something to say. And the, the other reason I, is there's something important that God wants to do here among us this morning. And so I don't want it to be about, you know, and it can be. And it's all right. But I want it to be about God moving and doing exactly what he wants to do. So I want us to stand one more time. I want you to pray a prayer speak a blessing, but I want you to say, Lord, my heart is wide open. So, Father, today, as your goodness and mercy is poured out, your favor, I just speak, God, uh, open ears today to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. God, I thank you for it. Give us ears to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank the Lord. I love worshiping with you people. I love being part of a church family that can go through things like the loss of a loved one or anything else that the world can throw at us, knowing that we're together and you do have support from people who love you. I got some counsel from a man I respect who is not a preacher by any stretch, <laughs> okay, and he said to me, just get to the point. <laughs> so obviously he knows me. <laughs> so I thank him for that, and I'm going to try to do that. Um, what we're going to be looking at today is the lion and the lamb through the lens of the fear of the Lord. So uh, those of you with phones with an app on it, if you want to go to Proverbs, we'll be spending some time there. Uh, but the, the problem is that if you only know the lamb and you don't know the lion, you're only getting part of the picture. And the collateral damage of this that is going on in the modern American church uh, is both society and the church. But I'm not going to even try to address all of the impact that this error has on society, or we'd be here till four, okay? 
and I do want to participate in the extended worship instead of that. So I'm only going to focus on uh, the effects of the church or on the church of this that so many churches have fallen into the pathway of only focusing on the lamb and ignoring the lion because we like the lamb and we fear the lion. So let me talk in terms of fear of the Lord to put it in its right perspective because it's been abused and misused and, and hurt a lot of people uh, because of not everybody knows the real meaning of the fear of the Lord. So we're going to try to get some of that done. Everybody knows and loves, even in the Greece-only churches, the Psalm 23. So I'm not even going to quote that, okay? But I'm going to make reference to it because you're all familiar with it, all right? So if I could have the uh, first image go up, I'm going to try to use this as an example of how this is going wrong. Um, when I say Psalm 23 and you know about the... Um, the image of the lambs laying in a nice pasture and everything is all honky-dory, right? Yeah, that's the one, right? That's what I would call the, the ideal pasture. And this is what people get in their heads when they hear Psalm 23, right? You know what you don't see in this picture? There's no shepherd there. Everything is so nice and easy for these lambs as a lot of Christian churches would have you believe that it is to be a Christian, all right, that there's no need for a shepherd. Now, if you could go to the second image, and where we want to get is to a deeper understanding that life as a Christian may not be all that easy, but let's be realistic. Let's look at the way things really are. This pasture, not as green, much more in need of a shepherd because these sheep aren't smart enough to get from this little patch of grass to the next little patch of grass through which they'll probably have to travel through some wilderness to get to the next one. They need a shepherd like we need a shepherd, okay? To keep us in provision, we have to follow God's will. Life can be a little hard when the provision is spread out and not obvious and, and you need a shepherd to help you get there, okay? But that's the reality of it. And so it is with the difference between the lion and the lamb, okay? The fear of the Lord, now is where you can go to Proverbs, okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We all know the first half of that, all right? But the second half, and, and often in Scripture you'll find that the part that we identify with as popular is followed by a part where a lot more of the truth is, okay? So besides the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and discipline. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about the wisdom and discipline part, you know, instead of just the attractive and popular part, okay? The next, uh, and that was just the very beginning of Proverbs in uh, verse seven of chapter one. Uh, 
So now I want you to go, if you are following along on your app, uh, to verse 29. And it says, Because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord. Because we're going to be talking a lot about fearing the Lord today. All right. We're not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. If you don't want to know the Lord and know what he has for you, all you have left is yourself. And who do you think is going to get it right? You or the Lord? (laughs) Okay, so... Whoever listens to me will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. Now, Proverbs just got done telling you that fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then it's telling you that, and if you do that, you'll be free from fear of danger. I once heard it said, I don't know who it was, but somebody said, fear the Lord or fear everything else. Right? Everybody's heard that one. Right? Okay. You can be free from the fear of everything around you, which I can sum up as the fear of man by properly fearing the Lord instead. Because when you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else. Right? Okay. Let me go to my notes. Back to the images, you don't have to put them back up, but many know the lamb, but few know the lion who is coming back to conquer his enemies. What a lot of people in a lot of churches don't want to be bothered with or face or what have you, okay, is actually the source of their freedom, can be the source of their freedom, right? There is much strength in knowing the lion. It's not just the lamb that we need to know. Because God wants us to know him in all the ways that he has revealed himself to us, not just the ones that we find comfortable. Right? And why? Because God knows... And hopefully some of us know (laughs) that the depth of your relationship is in direct proportion to the knowledge that you have. Think of it in in a long-term marriage, okay? The love of people who've been married for a long time together is different in its depth because they know each other so much better through the time and experience that they've been through. The same is true with your relationship with Jesus. As you go through time with him and you allow yourself to be open to what he's revealing himself to you and allowing the knowledge that he wants you to have of him to come by way of your seeking him, that's what builds the kind of relationship that you can take all kinds of security in. 
Okay? But we do have to talk about things like fear. Right? The fear of the Lord is misunderstood. I originally thought the fear of the Lord was the same kind of fear that a little kid has if he has a father who beats him. Right? And that's not the kind of fear that God's talking about. All right? And then I grew to understand that, well, maybe the fear uh, is more like respect. You know, you have respect for a good father like we have in the Lord. Right? But it goes beyond that. The meaning of the word fear that's being used here also implies awe. Okay? Awe is a misused word in our vocabulary because we go so far as to say, oh, that was an awesome cheeseburger, right? There is nothing that is due awe the way God is due awe. And fear can be anything that makes you tremble, all right? But it's not always fear as in fear of punishment. Sometimes it's fear as in awe, as in anything that is so perfectly beautiful that you tremble in its presence. That's the kind of fear that is a good thing to cultivate in your relationship with the Lord. Okay? So I had some more scriptures here. Let's see if I can thumb through. Did I even ask you to put up the other ones? I didn't, did I? We've already made it through, I gave those guys a list, through one through three. So if you could go to uh, what's on your list, there is number four. I'll try to find it in my Bible too. I use little cheater notes here, see if I can get through them. There it is. Okay, so now we're in Isaiah. Um, and it is chapter 11, verse 2, says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now this is Isaiah talking about the coming Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Right? Isaiah, talking about Jesus. Jesus is going to have these things predicted 700 years before he came. All right? And it still includes the fear of the Lord. Think on that a bit. Well, I go on to the next one. All right, in the scripture you have labeled number five, I don't know why God didn't have the foresight to put these in the right order the way I like. <laughs> So I got to flip back and forth. Yeah, just kidding. Okay. Now, therefore, I have found favor in your sight. Please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And consider, too, that this nation is your people. I, I kind of wanted to skip over that and get to the next part, which I'll just read for you. It says, then he replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. This is referring to what I said just a minute ago about God wants you to know him. 
He already knows you. But for it to be a relationship, you got to know each other. Okay? So he wants you to know him. And that's why he takes all this care and pain to reveal himself to you in various different ways. Like in these scriptures and in the rhema word and in the preaching and in all that you can learn about him is nothing compared to what you can learn to be in relationship with him. It's not knowing about God, it's knowing God that counts. So this whole fear of the Lord thing has to do with God being a judge. Okay, Psalms says that God is the judge. Right? But God judges what we do. Right? While the debt for sin has already been paid by the cross, we, even after accepting that, have to do something with our lives. So I want to go to uh, the scripture that is also in Proverbs. It's in chapter 24. Uh, starts at verse 10. And I'm going to need some water to read it. If you do nothing in a difficult time, and are we in difficult times? Yeah, yeah certainly, right? Okay. If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. Rescue those from being taken off to death and save those stumbling towards slaughter. If you say, but we didn't know about this, won't he who weighs hearts consider it? Won't he who protects your life know? Won't he repay a person according to his works? Right. What God is judging in our lives as we live them is what we do Okay, if we're doing what he wants us to do, which is to show his light to others in this world, right? because that is what saves them. All right? It's not eloquent words or whatever. It's them knowing that there is a solution, and the solution is God. Jesus is really the only answer to whatever the question is. Okay? So, but we will be judged beyond salvation. There is a judgment that comes that Jesus has been given all the authority of, right? And that's what we should be living our lives to satisfy. So let me, let me kind of focus in a little bit on God as a judge, okay? God is judge in a different way than man judges man, all right? In our judicial system, which is under a lot of criticism, okay, we have limited the judge, and we should, because man is fallible. But God is not fallible. He is perfect and good, okay? So his being a judge is different. It has all four of the things that a perfect judge needs. He has authority. 
He is both the lawgiver and the judge. All right? So it's because he has perfect righteousness that he can carry that out. All right? It's because God is good and is going to be right every time. Okay? And it's because he has unlimited wisdom that he can act as a good judge. He has the power to execute his judgment. Right? This is a whole different kind of judge. This is not a judge that we need to be afraid of, but a judge that we should be glad exists because as you'll see in the next couple of minutes, that's where we're going is a place where his being able to be that kind of judge is what can give us peace. Right? The kind of judgment that people fear, uh, the word retribution is applied to, okay? Because in man's method of retribution, it's like vengeance, revenge, that kind of thing, right? But God's kind of retribution is a repaying. Those who have chosen not to accept him will receive one kind of retribution. But those who have accepted the Lord, have lived for him, and so forth, their retribution is a repayment of good. All right? The rewards. I think there's a scripture I probably have skipped over on that. Yeah, I have skipped a couple of them. <laughs> Bear with me. Okay, uh, can you get the Psalm 5811 up there? That might be the one. Yeah, okay, good. Mankind will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Right? There is a reward. Uh, if you go to Nahum in chapter 1, verse 3, Hopefully that's another reference to that. The Lord will, is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Right, I don't need the second half, but the idea is as much as we love and as much as the modern American church espouses the greatness of his grace, okay, it does not Stop God from being who he is, which is a just God, all right? There will not be this unlimited pardon, okay, where it's all grace and no judgment. That's just not the way it is because God, being a moral God and being perfect, has to be just as well. And his justice is perfect. In its application, it is just for God to reward those who love him with passage into heaven and with the privilege of being a citizen of heaven while we're here. And it is just for God to not allow people who refused him into heaven. Now, it, the touchy-feely, everything is nice and cozy and whatever type of church, okay? They don't want to hear about that, okay? 
But if you stop and think about it, does God know what he's doing or what? Okay? The fact that there won't be any of the sin in heaven that exists here on earth, is that a good thing for us? Well, sure it is. (laughs) I look around and everybody in this room is saved. Okay? And we know where we're going. We might have to suffer the effects of sin here on earth now, between now and when we rejoin him and take up our true residence. But when we're there, let me ask you this. If it was allowable to God to be in the presence of sin, and so he let just everybody in, would he be able to say, all the tears will be wiped away? No, heaven wouldn't even be any better than earth if that were the case. All right? The thing that I want us to take heart in is the fact that all wrongs will be made right because we have a just and perfect God. All right? That is something we can take comfort in, knowing no matter what it is we're exposed to here, right, that this is temporary, and where we go to spend eternity with him is not like that, because there is none of that. All right? Looking forward to heaven is a privilege that relying on the just nature of God allows us, that it would not exist were it not for that part of him. It is the lion who has the power to open the scrolls to make that happen, not the lamb. Okay, The lamb is the sacrifice, but there will be a judge, and the judge is to the advantage of those who are righteous. And he gave us righteousness as a gift to start with. Okay, and it's our job to steward that righteousness and live it out. Okay, so um, what does Hebrews eleven six say? That's the last of the scriptures I have. Okay, everybody's, and this is again another one of those examples where everybody knows the first half and the second half kind of goes unnoticed. All right, we're all familiar with the, and without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the two words I want us to focus on here, reward is positive retribution. That's receiving what you're due because you're a child of God. Okay? But don't neglect the importance of seeking him as he reveals himself to you the amount of that revelation you will receive is because you seek him so I say that it may not sound like it but I say that trying to be an encourager of the benefits of seeking him and making time for him every day in your life okay so 
you have just been saved by my insulin pump that says I have to, <laughs> I, I have to get down now. And uh, I'm going to welcome Pastor back up. Amen. Let me uh, close it out here. And uh, I just, uh, you know, and we're, we're experiencing it. You've all been to the funerals. We're going to go. What I do know is my mom had a faith in God. And, and, but there is a, a, a doctrine of the devil out there, and it's called universalism, that everybody's okay, you know. And then it creeps into the church like my brother said, and that doesn't matter what you do, you know, uh, Jesus is just, you're going to ignore our lives, and he does it. We reap what we sow. And and I'm thankful I, I no longer reap from the sin of my life. But there's some of you here today, we, we, and I'm guilty of preaching it before, you, you do this one thing and your life has changed forever. And you know what? You go home and you do the same thing over and over again, and you still reap from the bad decisions of your life. Why? Because God is just. There's a justice. He's all, you know, we, we always see him as this, as this kind of, you know, forgive me, weak or whatever, and he's just always there. Always, And he, you know what? He is always there, but he's there with strength. And he'll stand beside you when you make dumb decisions. And he'll just wait for you, man. The law of reaping and sowing is so that we can stop and realize, wait a minute. There is a responsibility that we have. That there's not just a lamb in our life, but there is a God in heaven who created all things, who is all wisdom and all glory and all power. We squeeze some of you here, you've prayed prayers for your relatives because you are watching them in the law of sowing and reaping in their lives and you want it to stop. We pray for our children. It's like, come on, man. You're reaping where you shouldn't have to reap because God is just if you turn around. And so the idea, you that are here, and you might say, well, I accepted Jesus all these years ago. What did you accept him for? You ought to accept him as a part of your life every single day, not just because you quoted a prayer or you said a prayer, but but you you accepted the reality of his existence, and because of that, you come into relationship with him. So that when you end up in the tough times of life, when you're staring at the things that I'm looking at, I see nothing but the goodness of God. I'm going to tell you something. When your world is shaken, and, and it will, it will. What is the great thing about it is when everything that you're building up on, I still, I fall back on a foundation that cannot ever, ever, ever be moved. And it's not the back of a lamb, even though it is, but it's the strength of a lion. And I, and I can just, you know, just, just get close to that and realize, man, oh, man. I, and when, when you're, if your world is shaking today, come on. I hope it shakes enough that everything else falls away and there's Jesus. Because I am telling you, He's not just enough. He's the only thing that will ever, ever, ever be enough. Amen. Stand with me. Did you want to, or were you wanting, okay, I'm good. Well, no, I'm not okay, but I'm going to be okay. Yeah.
Well, you can say it at the end when you close this because I got to run. So, uh, how many have a need here this morning? Come on, if you got a need, how many of you know somebody with a need? Don't leave here without. There are gifts that God has put right here in this building right now to pray for you, to lift you up. He is here to do great things for you. And, and, and that's what this extended worship, we're going to turn the music on. This is different once a month. And we're going to just gather around and pray. And we're going to worship. We're going to have communion. And if you can at all stick around, let me encourage you to do that. So, Father, today as we enter into this extended time of worship, I just speak your blessing upon everyone here. Let us have faith and fear, to fear you, just to, to tremble in awe at your excellent goodness. My God, I just speak it today upon this congregation, upon our families and I speak that today in Jesus' name. If you have a need, make your way up here. Let us pray for you, and we'll see the goodness of God revealed. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.